Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of an NCP Conversation. I am your host, William Khan, and today we are going through our third sermon on the book of James, James chapter 1 verses 5 through 8, titled, What Do You Want? I hope you enjoy. I have a very simple question for you today. What do you want? What do you want? To say in a way that one of my mentors has taught me, what do you want really? Because sometimes what we want isn't really what we want. I asked a person this once. I said, what do you want? And they said, I want to be a millionaire. I asked, really? Do you really want to be a millionaire? Why not a billionaire? Why not a trillionaire? Why is a million dollars the key number? Well, they said, I don't really want to be a millionaire. I just want enough where I wouldn't be struggling paycheck to paycheck. I don't want to win the lottery and have every single relative from distant lands coming to knock on my door. What I want is to not be checking my bank account every time I go to the grocery store. What do you want? What do you want really? This can be a very simple question. Sir, do you want the soup or the salad? Now, this to me has never actually been the easiest question. And honestly, I find myself switching between the soup and the salad at the last minute and I don't know why. From my wife's perspective, it must be exhausting. Other questions is what type of ice cream do you want? Do you choose cake or pie? What do you want? It can be a very simple question. Other times, this can be the most difficult and complicated question you've ever heard of. Some of you have been in uh, serious relationships, or perhaps you're probably currently in one, and you know that question. The question where you have to do choose between two things. One, possibly with your significant other, and the other, possibly doing something a little bit more selfish. Finally, your significant other bursts out because they can't stand it for a second longer and they say, just make up your mind. What do you want to do? Maybe for some of you, it's been a career decision. Do you get that job that you're really good at, you, that you love, that you enjoy every minute of? Or do you get that job that has reliable hours, that helps you bring home a paycheck? Here, it's not not knowing what you want, but the competition between two values. Do you work for your happiness? Or does your work bring happiness through the form of money being able to pay for whatever you want? What do you want? What, do you, what will you actually do? What do you want really? So what do you need to make these tough decisions? Not the decision whether it's going to be cake or pie for dessert, what type of ice cream you're going to be eating, or what clothes you're going to be wearing for that day, but the major decisions in life. What are you going to do when you come up to those tough decisions? When you're going to make the decision to go after your dream job, even though it means leaving your family halfway across the country. What do you want? To be with your family? Or to pursue your dream job? What do you want, really? Let's break it down. Because to answer this question, the first thing that you need is wisdom. And let me be very clear here. I don't 
think you're not smart or you're an idiot. What I'm trying to say is that sometimes we rush into making decisions without actually knowing what the job entails. I was listening to a podcast of a man who recently publicly stated he was going to run for the office of the President of the United States in 2020. He told his listeners a little bit of his history, how he grew up in the middle of a country, most likely, from what I remember, an upper middle class white family. Graduating high school, he went on to law school because that's what young men from middle, upper middle class families did. And, and what you can hear in his voice is the absurdity he feels when he thinks back to that thought process. He never once spent time with a lawyer. Never had he been in a courthouse. He had zero idea what being a lawyer was all about. Zero idea what he was getting himself into. He just knew that he was supposed to go into law school. The funny part is some of us are just like this man. We make assumptions all the time. All of us need wisdom. And just so that we're all on the same page here, I'm going to define wisdom as applied knowledge. It's not just good enough to know about something. This is called knowledge. And I think we all have a general sense of the knowledge that we have. Some of us have more knowledge than others. That might not be the most political correct thing to say, but the good thing to know is that everyone can increase their knowledge base. Now, I might not be able to increase it as much as you, but as to each is given, that much is required. That is to say, to those of you who can learn much, I believe you are to use that ability to help others. To those of us who learn more slowly, push hard. Learn as much as you can because our ability is also going to be called upon. And if we have wasted our life with excuses, we will be held accountable to that. Excuses such as, well, I'm not that great at learning, so I'm not even going to bother to try. Don't don't go crying to others that you don't have the job of your dreams if you spend all day Saturday watching Netflix or baseball. Don't tell me you're not smart enough if you haven't applied yourself, if you haven't taken the time to learn as much as you can, to, to, to watch and to grow and to actually apply yourself in some iota. You have the ability to work. You have the ability to learn. Use it. I have a question for you. What do you want? Do you want to increase your knowledge? Or do you want to spend six hours from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. on a Saturday watching Netflix? What do you want? Really, tell me, what do you want? It's not just good enough to know about something. You need to have an extra step beyond knowledge to gain wisdom. You have to apply the knowledge to your life. Here is the deal. I can tell you that you live by eating food. Seems pretty simple. And I can tell you that if you eat food and you you eat calories, if you eat more calories than you work off that day, you will gain weight. Because those unused calories are going to turn into fat and going to be stored into your body. 
I can tell you that if you eat less calories, then you burn. You will lose weight because your body needs to find the energy from inside your body to burn to keep your body functioning. This, my friends, is knowledge. But wisdom is actually going out and applying that knowledge to your life. Knowing, and, and, and don't get me wrong, knowing this information by all means is half the battle. If you don't know this and you're hoping to gain or lose weight, you will be at a loss if you don't know this knowledge. But knowledge doesn't mean you'll accomplish it. Just because you have to eat less calories than you burn to lose weight isn't necessarily going to help you lose weight if you never put in the effort to doing so. Knowing knowledge and applying knowledge are two very different things. See, my question to you stands, what do you want really? Because what you've experienced, once you've tried to accomplish whatever you wish to do, then you really know what it takes to do it. Let's take a current example of weight loss. Knowing that to lose weight, you need to eat fewer calories than you burn is a very simple idea. Experiencing that, what it means to eat less calories than you burn, and feeling the hunger, fighting the temptations, tasting that McDonald's Big Mac in your mind, is a completely different type of knowledge. You begin to think of weight loss in a very different light. You begin to feel the pain of the goal that is at hand and you know the wisdom. It is taking knowledge and applying it to your life. Let's take another example. Next time you apply for a job, take the knowledge of that job and apply it to every area of your life. Take, for example, a night job. How is this actually going to affect your sleep patterns? How is it going to impact your family life, your social life? Basic question, do you know anyone who has a night job? Well, what about the next time you decide to jump into a relationship? No, does he have a job? Does she like physical touch as much as you do? Do they like your family? And, and, and this thing drives me this thing drives me up the wall that people say, I, I just want to marry you. I don't want to have all the things that are attached to you. You know, the family that you grew up, I don't want that. I just want you. You can't, <laughs> you can't do that. What? Let me ask you the question. What would it look like to have a significant other who your family hates? Do, do you know anyone who has a thriving family life with a spouse and family who hate each other? Honestly, I, I know of some people where this is their reality. Their family hates their spouse. And in this respect, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be in the middle of that tension. I, I only see and I think that life must be unbearable. When you begin to try and take on a new task and you begin to apply that knowledge to your life fully. What we must try and do is understand the worst outcomes of the path you are trying to accomplish. You should know that that path of the, of the worst outcome 
is on a probability scale more likely to happen than the desired result you're hoping to accomplish. Wisdom is taking knowledge and applying it fully to your life to see your reality as clearly as you can. When we are trying to decide what do we want really, we need wisdom. There's this fantastic saying about wisdom from an American theologian. I don't have a lot of confidence to say his name right, so I'm not going to even try, but you can look it up. It's a, it's a prayer. And it goes like this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Going back to my friend who wanted a million dollars. There are things he cannot control. He cannot change or control the winner of the lottery. He has to accept to gain the serenity that money is highly unlikely to float down from the heavens and for him to win the lottery. There is something out of his hands and he has to gain the peace around such things. But there are things he can change. He can change his spending habits. He can change jobs to get a better paying job. He can gain greater knowledge and skills to improve his resume so he can apply for a better job. These are some of the things he can change and and he needs the courage to step out of the status quo and experience the pain of changing how he lives his life. Change is by no means easy. It is frustrating and it takes a lot of physical and mental and emotional energy. But some of those changes you can control. And knowing the difference of what you can control and what you can't and the impact of the things you can and can't control in your life. When you know those things and when you can see those clearly in your own life, that is wisdom. That is true wisdom. Wisdom helps you see the world rightly. And once you've seen the world well or in right perspective, then you're able to make the wise decision. And now we come to the tale of two paths. But no, this isn't one well-traveled path and the path less taken. This is a metaphor you probably heard often and it is a great metaphor for particular people. But sometimes there isn't a road less traveled. There are just two roads. One leads to a set of values that you're excited about and the other leads to a different set of values that you're also excited about. Sometimes, sometimes, take this with a grain of salt find wisdom, there isn't a right answer, just a difficult one. What do you want, really? For myself, I grew up in BC, uh, just outside of Vancouver, and I moved halfway across the country to attend a Bible college. Uh, (laughs) In my fourth year, I experienced what is known as the fourth year panic. I had yet to meet my future wife at Bridalcrest. Now, of course, I'm kidding. I'm, I, I'm kidding. But one girl caught my eye. It was the final months of my bachelor's degree, and she said, 
Listen, Will, I, I really need to know what your plans are after college. Are you going to be staying in Saskatchewan because I'm going to be here for a couple more years? Or are you heading home to be with your family? Because long distance relationships are difficult. And I'm not sure, having only known you for about five minutes, that I'm willing to do a long distance relationship. I had to make a choice. Go home and be close to my family. Or stay for the woman that could potentially be my wife. The example here is to show you that sometimes there isn't a right answer. <laughs> and I say that and some of you are screaming at me. right? Because of course there is a right answer. Pursue love at all costs. Some of you are screaming from the opposite direction. Be loyal to your family at all costs. But the, the truth is that in between those two choices are two very strong and competing values. Yes, I love my family. I love them to the bottom of my heart. I would do anything for my family. But going home and not spending my life with this woman was was a scary thought to me. Not because she was the first person I truly cared for. I have cared for others, but I I deeply care for her. Over above that, she, she was, she's amazing. She, She could have been a wife who was confident, competent, who would call out my BS, who could lift up my, my spirits when I'm down, who could fight well with me. My wife has a character and personality I would come to love and adore. And truly, she is one of the greatest blessings in my life. What, what, what do you want, really? This example shows plainly that I prioritized finding a wife of good character and of great ability. To put it bluntly, she was a greater importance to me than being physically close to my family. This isn't to say that my family means nothing to me. Far from the truth, my family is of utmost importance to me. But the truth is I prioritize my life. And I, and I don't look back and say, I wonder what life would be like. On our worst days, when me and my wife are fighting, I don't look at my wife and say, my life would have been better if I had gone home and not married you. No, I weighed the cost. I knew the tragedy it would have been if I stayed away from my family and this relationship didn't work out. I prioritized, and I prioritized this girl first. And to this day, I have no doubt in my mind that was a significant factor in where I am today. And, and, and it is a wonderful blessing to my life. Once you have wisdom in your life, then you are to use that wisdom, that knowledge you apply to your life to prioritize your life. And once you've prioritized that life, stick to those priorities. Don't shift them in the moment to suit your particular needs for that time. Be stable, know what you want, know what you want really. I can't stand 
the person who changes their stance on priorities to win an argument or to get their way. And, 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 and I do this all the time. But we must not do this. What is more important to your life? Your family or your job? Right? What's important? That's question number one. Question number two is how do you show that importance? My wife and I don't have kids yet, so our lives are a little bit simpler uh, than others. I don't have to decide between spending time with my kids, my job, and my wife. Some of you are so busy with your job and your kids, and your spouse is neglected. And I don't mind saying this straight up because, because I believe it to be true. That's insane. That's insane. Listen, I'm not saying you don't, have a, you don't have a hard job. You have a very difficult job. You have to prioritize your job, you know, your social life, your family life, your spouse, your kids. You have a very difficult job for those of you who have kids. But, what is it? But to neglect your wife? Guys, that's insane. How do you prioritize your life? Secondly, how does the other party know that? I tell you that my wife is a priority in my life. And, and how we show that is we actually go to bed at the same time. A little bit behind the scenes for, for myself. But there's probably about four or five nights a month where we don't go to bed at the same time. And I'm assuming that's on the high end. We go to bed at the same time pretty much every single night. Why? Because this is how I show I, that I love her. We go to bed and we spend about 45 minutes a night talking about our whole day. That is us prioritizing our spouse. We say, I love you, and I'm showing you this by spending every night talking about our day. About talking about the highs and the lows, getting your feedback, hearing what you're thinking about my process, hearing what your day was like, and, and, and giving feedback into that. That is our stance in our marriage. What is the stance in your marriage? What is the marker of priority, and how do you show that in your marriage? Don't take mine. Make your own. Some of you are going to need more time. Some are going to need less. But decide what you, as a team, need to be doing to connect with each other, and then commit to that. Prioritize it. Don't unilaterally change the rules of the game because it's not optimal for you. Talk it out. Prioritize. Commit to it. Don't be a double-minded man. Don't change the rules of life just so you can get more out of it. Trust me, it won't work. In the end, you will end up losing. When people find that you don't have a firm foundation to stand on, that it shifts so that you try and get a better stance so that you can tackle a problem. People find that off-putting. James, the book of James that we've been going through, says the same thing in chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. Let me read it for you. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who generously gives to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. 
For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. We all need wisdom because we all need to figure out what we want. Let me tell you, if you are standing before somebody of extreme intelligence, let me give you a bit of wisdom. Ask that person all the questions. Some of you are unsure if there's a God out there. You know there's something out there. You are a person who has come to the conclusion that there's an intelligible force in the universe, a divine creator. You might not feel he is Jesus, but you know there's something out there. And yet, and yet, you won't take the time to ask the most intelligible force of the universe, the force that made the universe, for a little bit of that intelligence. That is crazy to me. Some of you know there is God out there, and you ask for wisdom, and somehow you gain it. Praise God, that's amazing. Some of you deny any sort of idea that there is a God, and so you go looking for wisdom elsewhere. But some of you, some of you are searching, wondering, looking about the creator of the universe and everything that is in it. And you've perhaps come to the wise conclusion that perhaps you're not smart enough to know with 100% proof that there is no God and yet you sit there never even wondering if you can ask for wisdom. (coughs) We all need wisdom and you're sitting there not even giving the chance for God to speak to you. Why not ask? What have you got to lose? James says ask, 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 just ask. The worst that might happen is that there is no God and you've spent a couple of seconds asking for wisdom to come to you. We all need wisdom, but what do you want, really? Is wisdom worth seeking after? For me, it's an opener. Yes, 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 yes. Give it all to me. Give me all the wisdom. If God is real and He has created everything and knows everything, has the power over everything, please, God, teach me the truths of the world. Everybody needs wisdom. If you agree with that statement, why not ask God? Now, some of you might not be prioritizing wisdom. Maybe it's because you don't know the benefits of it. Maybe it's because you actually don't think that it's all that beneficial to be wise. Some of you think, I know enough. I know enough. If that's your attitude, don't go about changing your opinion on wisdom. Just because you think you'll gain something better out of it. If you need wisdom, then at least be intellectually honest. Seek wisdom at all times. If you don't think wisdom is important, it would be better for you that you don't ask God. Because God will see through it. Nobody likes when you try to butter them up because you want something. Nobody likes it when you are their friend in the moment so that you can get access to the car or because you need a small loan. But if you're wondering about God and His wisdom, be honest. Ask for wisdom. Ask that God reveals Himself to you. Ask with transparency. And I guarantee you, God's going to show up. He might not show up in ways that you expect Him to, but give an honest prayer. God, I don't even know if you exist, but if you do, please show up in my life. 
God, God loves an honest prayer. God loves that. And he will respond. Listen to this. In the verse it says, generously. God gives wisdom generously. Not in proportion. You know, sometimes you think, oh, I don't even know. Like, I don't even know if there's God out there. And so I don't even know if they'll get wisdom back. At least be honest. Talk to him and say, God, you're out there. Give me some wisdom. James says, even that small act, it won't be rewarded with some small reward. God is generous. What do you want, really? To answer that question, you need wisdom. Period. End of story. You need wisdom. I need wisdom. To, to end the sermon, I'm going to flip the script. I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question that I want you to think about, but I'm going to answer it for you. The question is simple. What does God want, really? We've been asking you all this time, what do you want? What do you want, really? What do you want? But, but let's flip this script and ask the question, what does God want? Really, what, what does God want? The answer to this question is simple and straightforward. God wants you. God wants to have a relationship with you where you are his son, where you are his daughter, and he is your father. He wants to have a relationship with you where you are his servant, and he is your good and worthy and holy king. He wants to give you life, and he wants you to give him glory. Friends, this is a proper and beautiful relationship with the creator of the universe and being the pinnacle of his creation. A father to a child, a king to a servant, a life giver to a beautiful creation made made to give honor back to the one who gave them life. God wants you. Now let me pull out my best Shrek analogy. God wants you, really, really. And in his wisdom... In God's knowledge, he looked at you and me and he said, These people are so far away from me. There is no way they can make it back on their own. And so taking that wisdom, he applied. You know, taking that knowledge, he applied wisdom. Me and you couldn't make our way back to God. We were too flawed. We needed somebody to pay our debts before we came to him. So in God's perfect wisdom, he sent a savior. God wanted you so badly. He came in the form of a man. He lived the life of a man. He died to put you back from the brink of death. He, who is Jesus, wanted you so badly that he endured what no man should have to endure being falsely accused, deserted by his friends and family, dying the death of a criminal. Jesus, who is God, loves you and wants you. Jesus loves you so much. He wanted to give you so much that in the moments leading up to his death, he wasn't double-minded. He knew exactly what he had to do, what had to be done. 
and he did not waver. He lived, died, rose again, so that you and I would not have to taste death, but we would be reunited with God. What does God want, really? The answer is he wants you to turn to Jesus so that you may have life and life to its fullest. Life to the fullest. What do you want? What do you want, really? Thank you for listening to today's sermon. I hope today's talk was helpful and that you've taken something away from today's discussion. You may not agree with everything I've said today, but take this topic to your friends, your family, your co-workers, and allow your mind to be transformed to a community of learners. May God bless you today and forever. I'll talk to you in a couple of days. This is your host, William Khan, signing out.